Good morning. I'm Steve. I'm one of the key leaders or main leaders in church life. Today we're continuing our series in these three things. Security or belonging, self-worth and significance. Last week Esther Legbag spoke honestly and really helpfully about our emotions and this week we're going to look at our thinking, how our thinking affects our emotions. Recently at a meeting at work somebody told me about a person doing a particular job role and I immediately felt angry inside. Why did I get angry? I didn't really know at the time and sometimes you don't. If you're human, and I think most of you are, you will have experienced similar situations where you've been angry. Sometimes you're not sure why you responded as you did. Perhaps you're familiar with the emotions of fear and anxiety and suddenly they come upon you but you don't really understand why. A number of writers talk about emotions being like the warning lights on a dashboard. You know, you're low on petrol, a, a, a light flashes and you have to go and get some petrol. But I think this is seeing emotions in a negative way. Tristan Collins, in her excellent book, Why Emotions Matter, talks about it's better to see the lights on the dashboard as lights rather than warning lights. Because sometimes they're, the petrol gauge is just showing you've got petrol. Emotions can be good things. And Esther Lagberg spoke well about how God had made us as emotional beings. Just as when a light switches on on your car dashboard, it can be difficult to fix the car. Sue and I know this only too well this year. But likewise, when a light goes on on your emotional dashboard, it's not always easy to fix. We are so complex, far more complex than cars. So why was I angry at work? In this case, I think I know why. Firstly, it attacked my significance as a turbine coating specialist. Why wasn't I doing that job? And then secondly, a, a, a lower level reason would be this. For the company to work efficiently, why didn't I know about this person? And why aren't they working with me in the field that I was an expert in? The problem was my significance or my purpose in life was way too much wrapped up in my job role. We respond in anger to our expectations not being met. I had an expectation that this was my kind of role in life. I want to suggest to you that one of the reasons why we respond so emotionally is that we have placed these three things, security, self-worth and significance, primarily in our our own strategies to get these rather than on God. I had deeply held wrong thinking about where my significance was coming from. So let's read together.
from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12. I think it will help us in this scenario. Romans 12, reading from verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Good, pleasing and perfect will. We're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. This means the whole of us, not just a physical entity. See, our physical, emotional spiritual thoughts, desires, hungers, they are all wrapped up together. Science and contemporary Christian thought are emphasising the holistic nature of our being. They all interact. We're not just brains on a stick. We don't even have a body. We are a body. Our physical health, sleep, diet, fitness affects our emotions. And then we're to give our whole body to God. This is your true and proper worship. We were made this way. Just as an iPad is not there to chop vegetables but to watch videos and write emails, so we are meant to follow not idols of our career as a turbine coating specialist or whatever you count as one of your roles in life. Instead, we are meant to go to our creator God and get our primary significance, security and self-worth from him, the creator of the world. God is gracious in view of his mercy. Rather than leaving us as we do on our own ways to try and find security, self-worth and significance, independently from God, he has forgiven us and brought us into a relationship with him where we may now know his resources, his life beginning to come into us in a, such an amazing way. Our problem is that deep-rooted in us is that we conform to the pattern of this world. We have a, a broken DNA. The way we've been brought up in this world and this world's culture engulf us with ideas and thoughts that we need at our three things in, uh, in other ways and other sources than the true and the living God. But the good news is, whilst this is our problem, the good news is we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The word transform is metamorpho, which is about a change of state and is used of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. That he, he was always God, but up on that mountain, the fullness of who he really was was revealed. His face shone like the sun and his, his clothes became white as light. Before his divinity was veiled, but there on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was radiant and they could see who he really was. In recent years, I have got interested in different butterflies and spotting them in lockdown has been great fun. But it never ceases to amaze me the transformation 
of a scrawny little caterfly into a beautiful butterfly. Similarly, Paul is saying here in this passage that we can change our state by our thinking. Modern neuroscience is now catching up with what the Bible has told us for years. It is also showing us the power of thinking. Deep thinking physically changes our brains. It adds proteins and neurons and synapses. Our brains can, are connected to every cell in our body and so we sense that holistic sense of the body. Modern science, according to Dr Caroline Leaf in her book, Switch On Your Brain, which I would recommend, says that our thinking can affect what genes are activated. Such is the power of our thinking. But back to our subject, which is about how our thinking affects our emotions. It's easy to see that our thoughts affect our emotions. I think of one of the best moments in my life, walking Chloe down the aisle in her wedding day. It brings me great joy. And as I, even as I say this and I think about it, I get goosebumps. My whole body is affected by the thinking about that event. But also on that day, I think of my wedding speech for Chloe's, uh, Chloe's wedding, where I went off script briefly and I feel shame and pain over that aspect. Albeit that was small, that's what I feel. However, some of our thinking is less obvious. 90% of our brain activity is in the subconscious. A bit like an iceberg, there's more under the water than above it. It's often this thinking in the subconscious from which our emotions suddenly spring. It's through our upbringing and experiences we create these thought patterns deep down into our subconscious and can be signals, and our emotions can be signals of this subconscious thinking bursting out. In simple terms, let's look, look briefly at three emotions, anger, fear and guilt. Each can have a good side, to be sure, as well as the bad side we know too often. We looked at how I reacted with anger at work. And anger is about our expectations not being fulfilled. Or as someone Someone or something is blocking a life goal, something I'm striving towards. Fear or anxiety is about when we're not certain that we can reach that goal in a situation. You know, you're studying for an exam and you're not sure that you're going to pass. Or you're not sure how you can please someone. Fear comes. Anxiety. We experience guilt and shame when we think or perceive that we have failed to um, a goal in life, like that wedding speech. I felt shame because I thought I'd messed it up. But it was a perception. In reality, it was most of it was quite good. In life, consciously or subconscious, we construct expectations or goals in life that we think will bring us these three things. Security, self-worth, significance. And how these pan out in life infect our emotions. I want to stress again, 
the need to remind ourselves that emotions are complex. Our physical bodies also affect our emotions. Sometimes we need help to understand these signals from our dashboard. And sometimes we would benefit from counselling. Tristan Collins' book, Why Emotions Matter, again, I would recommend that to you and you would be a really helpful thing to look at. But there is hope in our emotional mess. Firstly, don't beat yourself up. Hear this, please. So do not add a sense of shame and brokenness that you are broken because God is full of mercy and is on our side in view of his mercy. That's who he is. And also one reason why God gives us emotions is that we might connect to God. We see this in the Psalms. The strong emotions cause the writer to cry out to God. There are means to draw the person closer to God, into relationship. So Esther Champion Howard spoke well about Jacob's emotional pain as he was about to meet his brother Esau. He feared for his life. And so he wrestles with God and God blesses him. We also need to exercise self-compassion. Give the compassion that we would give to a friend to ourselves. But secondly, we can be transformed. That's what Paul is saying. By choosing our thinking... We can't choose our emotions. They sort of spring up. But we can choose our thinking. Over time, by deeply thinking on God's word, meditation, we can change our hearts to be more aligned to getting these three things, security, self-worth, significance, from God. And so become more emotionally healthy and spiritually mature. Eugene Peterson sums up that sense of discipleship. In his book on discipleship, he says about it being a long journey, a long obedience in the same direction. Over the last few years, I have become more aware of my own brokenness and inner drives, that dark shadow, if you like, and I shared my moment of anger at work that was rising up. But I've been a Christian for over 40 years and I am also aware of something of God's transformation and shaping my life for good through his word. When Sue and I was first married, Sue gave me a study Bible that I still use every day. In the front she wrote from Psalm 119 verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. And verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's as we think deeply that it becomes part of our heart desires. We are transformed. Do you know that not only are we bombarded with thousands of adverts every day, but the psychologists, neuropsychologists, estimated that somewhere between 50,000 and 70,000 thoughts 
we have of our own every single day. That's a lot of thoughts. And so we need to choose our thinking. Someone once said main discipleship is brain discipleship. Sue was doing children's church at home this week, so I borrowed her visual aid. We have lots of thoughts buzzing through our heads like balloons flying overhead. And, you know, we can have a dark thought like this dark balloon that leads to despair and we can hang on to that. Or we can have a bright balloon that, if we hang on to, can bring hope in our lives. As human beings, we tend to hold on to the negative, particularly in the British culture. But I can look back and three really difficult times in my life which were black balloons that I could be hanging on to where I felt shame and difficulty and hurt. But somehow I found God's love and hung on to his love. And now as I look back into those circumstances, as I think about them, I think about them with joy because God was there. His love was there, that I knew that he is for me, not against me, that I, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And I think, I just love you, God. Hang on to the good, the love of God. Or a difficult pastoral situation. I remember some t long time ago where I was going to that, sat outside of the car, and I felt fear. My stomach was churning. And so I began to hold on to God and his thoughts. Isaiah 51, sorry, 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will uphold you and help you. I will take hold of you by my righteous right hand. And as I began saying that and meditating on that, I felt the emotion of peace instead of fear. So often in life we have really, really difficult circumstances and we can hang on to those and we can groan and moan and, and some of our circumstances are really, really hard. But if somehow we can give thanks in the circumstances, we can have joy. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Prayer giving our, carries, our worries and cares to God. And be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We don't give thanks for the circumstances. But we can give thanks in the circumstances. Developing an attitude of gratitude. Scientifically proven to bring joy into our lives. But it can improve our whole physical health. Again science backing up. What the Bible has been telling us for years. And maybe pushing these thoughts of how thinking can change our life a bit further. Reading from Dr Caroline Leaf's book on switching on your brain, she says this. She is a neuroscientist, by the way. We are not victims of our biology or circumstances. How we react to the events and circumstances of life can have an enormous impact on our mental and even physical health. 
As we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. As we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of our thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. New thought networks grow. We increase our intelligence and bring healing to our brains, our minds and our physical bodies. And she goes on. Neuroplasticity, by definition, means that the brain is malleable and adaptable. Changing moment by moment of every day, scientists are finally beginning to see the brain as having renewable characteristics, as in Romans 12 too. It is no longer viewed as a machine that is hardwired early in life, unable to adapt and wearing out with age. With example after fascinating example, exceptional scientists talk about and demonstrate using brain imaging techniques and the evidence of behavioural changes. How people can change their brains with their minds. We can see and measure the activity of the mind through the firing of neurons. Going on. The fact that the brain is plastic and can actually be changed by the mind give tangible hope to everyone, no matter what the circumstance. And she goes on and talking about some of the many case histories down through the years that she's been involved of. Senior citizens sharpening their memories to the point where they're in their 80s they can change careers and obtain degrees. Or young men and women who grew up in abject poverty and a lifestyle of selling and taking drugs do a complete turnabout face in their lives and go back to school and become leaders in their communities. The power of the brain. So how does this land for you and very much me today as you're watching this? We need to become more aware of our emotions, see the signals on our life dashboard. But we need to learn to manage the destructive ones. They're almost like over-enthusiastic helpers at sometimes. We need to let them cool down before we we need to spend time reflecting later why our emotions occurred and seek to bring them in line with our thinking about God. After 40 years of being a Christian, I am acutely aware that I don't need more information but transformation. I recently read that the most important part of our Bible reading is when we finished and close the Bible. It's, it's about what do we carry away? Do we carry away God's thoughts in our hearts? If you were ill and you went to the doctor, he might give you a prescription to take some medicine three times a day for a week or two or three. We need to take it as prescribed by the doctor and take and finish the course. Proverbs 4 gives us some medicine. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. I want to encourage you to meditate, and me, to meditate on a Bible verse three times a day, just like medicine, for a week. It's transformational. Let's do this habit together. 
Because I'm convinced that me and you, we can experience way more of God's abundant life that Jesus promises us as we learn to transform our minds. For in his mercy, he has called us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds.